0: Welcome to the weekend must-watch on Intercut, where we wade our way through the latest in streaming theaters and on-demand. I am your co-host, Zachary Shevich, and joining me, he's Venom, just kidding, it's
1: Arturo Zurita. There's like 20 things in the trailers that they decided to not put into that movie. I didn't even know the director didn't know that uh they were supposed to have spider-man stuff in that movie so zach I- i'm pretty sure you missed it um but you didn't miss a thing so <laughs> you're good you're in the <laughs> clear man
0: yeah you know i actually had my a-list reservation for for morbius on thursday night and just as the as all those reviews were streaming in it's like i could do literally anything else with my time mm-hmm. than see this movie watch that we
1: work it's almost getting universally bad reviews And look, well, we're going to get into it in a bit, but yeah, there's a lot of stuff to watch out there. We got a bunch to cover from theaters, from streaming, from really a lot of stuff.
0: Yeah, let's get right into it. Let's talk about what we are watching. And maybe not we, but at least you are kicking things off with a little bit of Dr. Michael Morbius.
1: Okay, so we have a new movie in the Sony Cinematic Universe, Sony Spider Universe. I'm not exactly sure what they're calling it at this point, but do you remember when Sony movies were bad? Then they they found a really good friend known as Disney, and Disney came in and just made something out of that Tom Holland trilogy. Baby, we're back. Uh, <laughs> the Sony cinematic universe. Yeah. Is, uh, All things was, come full circle. Yeah, you know, it's like when you... Sony, like, knew the the person who helped them get into the club, and now that they're in the club, they're just acting a fool inside of it. Uh, they are just <laughs> dropping the ball. Everything that they were able to advance with is just... I don't know. It... it The movie isn't terrible. So Morbius is now trying to cover a different perspective of the Marvel Cinematic Universe that in particular is supposed to be with Venom. So the Venom universe and how uh, that was kind of interconnected in terms of maybe that's going to be Andrew Garfield's world. Maybe that's going to be. I don't know if they're bringing. ROG back but pretty much it's not connected to the MCU but it is connected to the MCU because of timelines right uh this is a movie that was completely spoiled so I feel like I love the multiverse yeah I feel like I talk about anything in this movie because the director just came out and explained everything a lot of the stuff that was in the trailers kind of spoiled everything it wasn't there look it's your average story of a dude who realizes that it is possible to create this serum that ends up uh, creating a monster but he doesn't realize that it's going to be a monster he's an anti-hero maybe he's going to become a part of the sinister six but he's kind of like the vigilante who doesn't want to hurt people so it's not in the name sinister i don't know bro the movie's all over the place but there are elements of it that i thought were interesting i'm not a jared leto hater But he scares me sometimes. You know, sometimes you get House of Gucci. Sometimes you get WeWork, which is what I would highly recommend. Go check out WeWork on Apple. I think him and Anne Hathaway are killing Mm. it in that series. Morbius is that middle-of-the-road type thing. I think it's an okay action blockbuster that you would catch in the early days that kind of feels like a one-off. The worst things that hurt it is that it's trying so hard to connect itself to a bigger universe. Um, (laughs) The after credits for this are so funny, bro, because they don't even have you wait.
0: No, they're like, people want to get out of the theater quick.
1: They play them for you immediately. they are before credits. Um, I I think uh, out of the people who are also in the movie, because as he creates this serum and becomes like this monster, he also has um, his assistant with him. His, his other doctor who helps out along the way and kind of trying to create a Twilight love story that's going on there. He also has Tyrese and his partner who are coming at him as cops. And there is so much backstory that's just cut, dude. Uh, like, Tyrese plays a character who was able to take Morbius's uh, creation of artificial blood and it helped him when he was on a tour in Afghanistan. Now he needs to go stop the guy. There's... There's no like conflicting stories. Tyrese was like, "Oh yeah, it's gonna be this interesting thing because he has to stop the guy who technically created something that gave him life, and now he needs to stop him, and in stopping him might like, kill him because Morbius needs the blood." Bro, mo- <laughs> this man has a robo arm. In the marketing stills for the movie, I saw the movie but and I didn't realize it until I saw the marketing stills that he had a robo arm. <laughs> <laughs> There's just stuff. That does it just feel
0: play- kind of like hacked to bits? Because it does it. it- has the impression of a film that's gone through like several rounds of weird edits.
1: Yes, (laughs) it does. It feels like so much is gone. Like I said, the director didn't even realize what they were putting in to the movie.
0: Right. So Toby scene um,
1: again, it's not the worst thing that's out there, but I don't know in terms of how they're going to just bastardize the Spider-Man world that they were able to create in partnership with Disney. I don't know. I, I don't hate it. I, I personally don't see it being any worse than Venom 2, my own personal opinion. <laughs> I don't mind Venom 1, uh, but it's it's there with Venom 2. It's just something that uh, could be a lot better if they would have just kept the original vision because you could, you could tell that a yeah. lot of stuff is missing.
0: Yeah, I think the chatter online has kind of been divided into two camps. One mm-hmm. camp saying, like, this is one of the worst movies I've seen in a little while. And then <laughs> another camp saying, like, it's not really any worse than a lot of the other bad Marvel superhero-style really movies that we've it's gotten. Not. You sound like you're more in that camp.
1: Yeah, I don't think it's the word. Like, yeah, it, it's it's the same game that, that all the other ones play. But, uh, again, if you're continuing to pitch this movie as doing something different, then please do something different.
0: Do something different. Yeah, <laughs> I think that. we'd agree that maybe the, the better sort of horror thriller vampire-adjacent option... Available to people right now is "You Won't Be Alone," mm-hmm. uh, a film that we talked about when it w- premiered at Sundance earlier this year, and a film that I think uh, we're, we're going to continue to try and hope that people catch because it's not the film that you're expecting. Um, definitely not that horrific, considering the the story it's trying to t- or the story it's advertising itself as, but mm-hmm. a really, really interesting film and one that is now available.
1: Yes, definitely check that one out. Highly would recommend that. A lot of Black Crab fans out there that were asking me about uh, that Netflix movie with Numi. Catch this one. I think you'd like this one even more. Mm. Maybe. It's a little slower, but I think maybe.
0: <laughs> Speaking of Netflix, I think that provides us a nice transition to the other big release of The weekend. although maybe it shouldn't have been. Uh, Judd Apatow's latest entry, <sighs> The Bubble, a comedy set inside a COVID bubble where people are trying to film the latest sequel to Cliff Beast, Cliff Beast six and uh, it's actors playing actors and actors playing directors and Hollywood making fun of Hollywood mm-hmm. in a way that I actually am not really uh, I don't, I don't find it off putting the way that I think a lot of people do. I kind of like the whole insidery joke stuff, but there was just, so little purpose to any of this, so little motivation. It feels like so little thought behind a lot of what goes on here. It's so poorly stitched together in a way that it feels storyless and then it kind of just ends too. Um, and our ordinarily I'd be fine giving a comedy that kind of leeway if it made me laugh, but it just did not make me laugh. I didn't, I didn't think it was bad so much. I thought it, as I thought it was kind of nothing. And, and a big waste of time, um, which is a shame because I, I like a lot of the people involved here. And I think it's actually kind of a, a premise that could be mined for some really fun laughs. They just were not in this movie.
1: The damn near was the movie 43 of this year, bro. Yeah. This was, you know what it is? <laughs> it feels so self-righteous. It's like if we mention us leaving our families to make these movies, is it okay because we do it? To give y'all entertainment? I, no. What? Go take care of your family, bro. (laughs) Uh, There's so many elements in this film that I thought were just buffoonery. Yeah. Uh, Look, I'm not saying that there aren't some jokes that don't make me laugh, but there's also, like I'm saying, parts where they think that they're getting ahead of making fun of something that they're guilty of. Mm -hmm. There is a whole part where they're making uh, a joke about, like, accents but at the same time they're casting actors who have british accents but telling them to play an african act yeah it's so bad to that regard um i don't know i do not think that a movie where they're telling you we kind of went through stuff too while we were in bubbles so we kind of relate to you guys being stuck at home it ain't the same. yeah i thought that it did not have enough hits per minute i don't think it needed to be two hours and change um skip it, bro. <laughs> Keep it in the bubble and leave it there. Judd Apatow had even... that tweet that Oof. someone almost died on the uh, Oscar <laughs> stage. He almost killed me with this movie. Man's talking about somebody else in the relationship with his wife. I'm tired of seeing Judd Apatow direct his wife just just to be touched on screen. It is some of the weird... Like, it doesn't even make sense. There is no point in the story to do some of these bits, but uh, I saw that he has Lexi out there. He yeah. move, so now he brought in his other daughter to come in and... Um, yeah, I kind of see the nepotism in that one.
0: <laughs> <not gonna> <laughs> oh man, it, it's Ugh. just such a misguided effort too. It feels very Damn. much like the script was written in like June 2020, and then not really altered yes. since then.
1: Wasn't it shot in 2020? And he's like, "We've been overly editing this movie for so long." You
0: can tell, like, this movie feels really, really late. Like, the, these jokes are no longer topical. It, like, the only, the only value that I think a film like this could have had is if it felt like of the moment and it feels already like so not of that moment anymore. It's just very... Like, there's also this whole thing with... Iris starring as like a TikTok star and they have several TikTok sequences, which are, and, and it's a th- they do a thing that really bothers me in, in these films where it's like, when you try to emulate the internet, you got to emulate it a little bit better. Like you got to actually do stuff that it. might look like it could be viral or the type of dances they do on TikTok. The whole bit where they're like trying to do the dance with a dinosaur is one of the most embarrassing things I've seen in film.
1: Bro, it is bad. But yes, I agree with you. I also thought that the whole concept of like uh, trying to emulate being on the phone, but then it's clearly shot off the Alexa, I hate when they do stuff mm. like that. Mm. Oh, it's so annoying. Um, yeah, skip this one. It's it's no bueno, no good. Yeah, there's a
0: much better option for you with Richard Linklater's latest for Netflix, Apollo 10 and a Half, a space age childhood, uh, which is a really charming film that we've talked about a couple of times. Art caught it over at South by Southwest. It's this man narrating uh, his memories from being a 10 year old in Houston in 1969, a really wonderful kind of nostalgia driven story that I think has just this quality, uh, like even if it's not necessarily reflecting on, things that you remember as part of your childhood, just the idea of yeah. recounting what it was like to be a child will be very relatable here. And plus I, I do love all the little reference points of bits of culture that are increasingly becoming lost uh, as we modernize.
1: Yeah. I'd- Second that one as well. Pretty good. Really quick, just to, for the bubble thing. I oh. know uh, we had a question from the Vashua. I said, what's the best COVID film? And I was actually thinking so- of some while you were mentioning how the bubble was filmed, but not really uh, released in time. You know, there was several other movies that didn't have to overdo it because of an inflated budget as it's making a movie about inflated budgets. <laughs> uh, Seven Days was a fantastic movie that just won yeah. the Indie Spirit Award. And um, newly I released think of on Language OD. Lessons. There you go. Mm-hmm. I can think of language lessons, which was also uh, a very well-made film. Uh, there's, there's several movies. Uh, he had even mentioned Kimmy and the Host as two ones to check out as Ooh, well. Ooh,
0: Kimmy is an which excellent pick Kimmy yeah, is an excellent pick there. Yeah, I think Kimmy because that's also one that the central idea of the movie about this kind of like Rear Window-esque thriller. It doesn't need to involve COVID, but the COVID stuff is just accentuates the feelings of the movie and and the anxiety that she's feeling, this agoraphobia that she's experiencing. So, yeah, I like that pick of Kimmy a lot. I like your picks, too, with Language Lessons. uh, Thanks, man. As well as Seven Days, very charming films. Uh, I'm trying to think of what else. I mean, like if we're talking about things directly inspired, like In the Same Breath is probably my favorite COVID doc. Um, And
1: there's been way too many COVID docs, man.
0: Yeah. But even if we want to talk about like the tragedy of Macbeth as a film that was very contained and shot on sound stages, possibly because of COVID Mm -hmm. stuff like that's a that's a great kind of like limited production movie. All right. So let's move on. I don't know how briefly you want to talk about uh, Death on the Nile popping up. On Hulu, finally, you cut it. I, I did catch it. I did. Then you talk about I now know okay. the, the the past. origins of Pura's mustache. For some reason, I, I don't know why Brana tried to Wait. do 1917 in the middle of his, uh, his, his his you know whodunit story. But I guess it's yeah. there now. Uh, this movie is way worse than I even thought it would be, man. It is real bad. It's it's bad. It's weird weirdly <laughs> bad. Um, the, it's strangely put together, and I, I assume that some of that's got to be because they're doing their best to cut around Army Hammer, but it just kind of ha- doesn't have like a ver- very very good flow that makes it feel like you're getting into the rhythms of the movie. I feel like it only really ratchets up the tension of like, Oh, we're in a room and one of us might be the killer until like the last like 45 minutes of the movie. So there's a lot of standing around watching Kenneth, Kenneth Branagh drink alcohol while watching other people dance. Uh, There's a shot that's been going around on Twitter of Gal Gadot <laughs> trying to do like this sexy flirtatious thing with Army Hammer, and that is bafflingly shot in oh, a wide one, that makes them the one both the look
1: embarrassing. When she touches this boulder on the boulder, <laughs> yeah,
0: you like it? She, she like pushes up against the wall to get. It's so awkward. It's so awkward, it's man. My
1: Apple screensaver.
0: <laughs> I, it's it's just. I'm pretty surprised how bad I thought this film was. I, I thought every actor was like acting like they were in a completely different movie. It, oof, yeah.
1: Easily. Well, I'm glad you got to get the <laughs> comfort of your own home. Because I sat for two and a half hours watching that movie. Oh, yeah. And they kept delaying it and delaying it and delaying it. And I went to go see it. And they're like, we're not going to have it in the big theater because it's not working. i which like, what do you mean it's not working? Is it on film? <laughs> no, it's just the digital projection wasn't working. I had to go catch the Liam Neeson movie that had come out, and I was like, damn, now i got to sit through this. And then I finally got my tickets, and then I had to sit through it, so <laughs> at least you at home, man. And it's one of those double releases. I think it's on Hulu as well, so it's Max and Hulu. It's very, very interesting to see how they've been doing these, like, it's so hard for it to come out, and then the moment it comes out, you just dump it everywhere. Yeah. Kingsman did the same thing, so...
0: Yasi, shout out Yasi in the live stream saying that today's weekend must watch has just been this is terrible watch this instead I don't know what our alternate to death on the Nile is gonna oh, be sorry bro but but uh, don't watch that
1: screensaver <laughs> I don't know. You know what? We actually have some decent stuff yeah. on the horizon right here. So let, let, you know what let's talk about something good. Yeah, let's talk about Moon Knight.
0: Uh, I mm-hmm. was not sure how I would feel about this thing because we've been a little bit hit or miss on the Marvel TV shows. And this one luckily comes with a few people we're big fans of, including Oscar Isaac and Ethan Hawke. And of course, the boys Benson and Moorhead directing half the episodes. Mm-hmm. And then sometime over the weekend, I got, I got the text from Art like, yo, man, get to episode four. Kind of digging Moon Knight. Uh, unfortunately, as we, we've mentioned in the past, Disney's screener thing is really annoying, and those Very annoying. those episodes expired on me, so I only got the first two. I'm okay. I'll be watching along with other people. I'm I enjoyed right. the first two. I, I didn't like, I wasn't blown away by them, but I thought it was pretty effective. Mm-hmm. But things really take a turn by episode four.
1: I. It's really it's a good episode. L- okay, so let's go back uh, out of the episode, out of the series that we have so far. I think you and I are huge fans of Wandavision. <laughs> I, was, I was not sure <laughs> how you I wanted to play that. that. No, I didn't <laughs> even take that one. We also had uh, Winter Soldier or Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which I thought muddled. I think both of us kind of felt that it was very muddled. Yeah. There's a lot of interesting stuff they could have done that ended up just becoming ironically goofy, <laughs> with what they were mentioning. Then we also had what would have been Hawkeye that I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. But I also didn't want to come out and say like this is the best one out of all of them just because it was better than the rest. I personally feel like Moonlight is finally the first pretty good series that we've gotten. And the episodes uh I believe there's a total of 6 and our boys direct episode 2 and episode 4. Everything else is directed by uh I believe who's also the showrunner and writer uh, who's an Egyptian director who came in hmm. and was able to add his influences. I don't know if you've seen, he's been, he's been dogging on wonder woman, 1984. <laughs> <Really?
0: laughs> Mohamed Diab.
1: <laughs> that it sucks. Yeah. And he's like, no, we got something better for y'all. in Um, I really like the story with Oscar Isaac. I, you know, it's practically, uh, an individual who doesn't realize that he has, you know, these different personalities in him while it's also kind of like a possession story because he's being taken over by this Egyptian God, uh, you also have the antagonist who's played by Ethan Hawke who at first said he's never going to touch a Marvel movie and <laughs> then grab this script <laughs> without even reading the script. I don't know. That's Ethan Hawke. Um, here's my thing with it and I'm hoping out and this is not a spoiler because so far as we know this is a mini series, and there hasn't really been too many connections to the MCU other than like kind of some things here and there. Zach, I really hope. mm mm-hmm. The MCU finally decides that they can have one off stories for characters that they own and don't need to connect to everything else. It may not be the case for this, but Zach, there is a possibility that they could put their stamp of that Marvel logo. And everyone who's mentioned in that Marvel logo does not need to be mentioned or brought up in any single way. It can be a self-contained story. So now they can rival all these DC movies that we've been saying that are one-offs that don't need to connect to a bigger universe and thus have been able to make it all the way to the Oscars. I hope they're able to do that with stuff like Moon Knight. Yep. Episode four is what I'm going to talk about, right? Okay. It scared me. Ooh. We had, bro, we had mummy vibes. I felt the action. I loved where the story was going. Um, we have not gotten five and six, so I can't say that it's going to be completely, um, you know, worth the guess, journey. You ju- yeah. Cause sure. Yeah. Worth the journey, I guess. But, uh, for the four episodes that I watched, I was having a really good time, really good time. And then episode four was when I went, yeah, the boys came in and did okay. Their, episode four feels like a feature film. Uh, I really liked what they did with it. Uh, I know that it's being released weekly. Hopefully they're able to reup the episodes for you, but I will say this, be careful out there. Cause I'm just telling you how good episode four is. Bro, I am done with the people letting you know, I have a theory. I, you ain't no theory. You got four episodes. <laughs> Stop spoiling to the people what's going to be up on four. That's all I'm going to say. So be careful when you're out there on the on the YouTube uh, with people spoiling to you episodes. They're not geniuses. They're not Nostradamus. Right. They just had access to the episodes. <laughs> Can't wait for you to yeah. What did you think of the two you saw, though?
0: I thought the two that I saw were pretty effective. I mean, I think it, it, it's like it, there's a little bit of exciting stuff happening in terms of the filmmaking. I, I noticed a couple moments in episode two, like they, uh, Oscar Isaac ends up in the back of a car, and there's like a cool little handheld camera move that you don't normally see in Marvel properties. Like it's a little filmmaking flair. It's like, all right, Benson and Moorhead, they're not just gonna like sit the camera down and do the pre-previs stuff. Um, so it, it, I don't know. I'm hoping that we get more moments like that where you see the filmmaking flare. You know, uh, I think it's accentuated by. I think Ethan Hawke is also giving a pretty good performance in this. I'm, I'm not fully sold on Oscar Isaac yet. It's a little, it's a little bit like caricature but it, I like mm. him a lot. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm in on this show so far. I'm, I'm digging the first two episodes and I'm excited to see where, it, where it ultimately goes because like you, like I would be really into the idea of them trying to not connect everything. Like just try and tell awesome. the story you want to tell. Don't, don't, try to shoehorn it into something else.
1: That'd be so cool. Yeah. Going from
0: Disney plus. Oh, actually we had a quick question from JJ asking uh, that they want to watch it, but is it worth getting Disney plus just for this? I don't know if you're, you're that high on it that you feel like it's worth the prices
1: subscription, but maybe there's a few things you can catch in like in a month yeah. on Disney plus, you know, i they- I've never, I'm never a person to recommend a subscription service unless you have a bunch of stuff that you want. So even with this one, wait till all the episodes are wrapped up and then pay for it, because then you're going to be stuck paying for two months. Because I don't think it's going to end till May. So uh, again, I can't speak for the entire bit, but even for what I'm talking about, that episode's not going to be till the end of the month. So wait a couple of weeks, and uh, if the buzz has heightened up for you, catch that and catch a couple of the other picks on on Disney.
0: Absolutely. All right, let's get into a different show moving from Moonlight and Disney+. Plus, Let's talk a little bit about The Girl from Plainview on Hulu. This one stars Elle Fanning and Chloe Sevigny about the controversial case of Michelle Carter who was convicted for encouraging the suicide of her then-boyfriend via texts and phone calls. Hulu dropped the first three episodes last week. Episode four comes out later this week. Uh, We have screeners for all of them, although I've only gotten through the first two. Art, I don't know how many you've had a chance to watch.
1: Uh, First three, I want to say.
0: So you're basically with the public right now? Uh, Yes. Cool. So what do you think of the series so far?
1: Um. I'll speak well of it first. Mm-hmm. I think that all of the performances performances in it are very well done. I really like Chloe Savigny as the mother who's struggling to like reconcile with everything that's happening, not just because of the loss of her son, but also having to deal with a family who's reacting to it completely differently. You also then have obviously have um, what's her name?
0: Uh
1: Elle. I was about to say Panna Panna Baker, bro. <laughs> Those are different sisters. Fanny. Uh Elle Fanning yeah. who comes in, who really has this uh, you know, she's always had kind of like the, the doe-eyed, very innocent uh, demeanor to mm-hmm. her. And that's kind of what they're playing in this role. Right. I've always felt that Cara Delevingne was the look mm, I could see for that. this role, yeah. if you know the original girl. Um, but they have made some changes to her. There's some makeup that they're doing yeah. with her. The
0: hair is also kind of yeah. doesn't flatter her face in a weird way. She
1: has a she gives a good performance. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting to see, you know, because they're doing it like a character study of a lot of uh, private moments and how she's reacting to what has happened while there's also an investigation going on. So it's got that thriller aspect of it. It's got the drama aspect of it with the mom. But then for her, it's like she's a very manipulative person Mm -hmm. and they jump between is this her being conniving? Is this a part of her mental Mm -hmm. health? Is this something that goes deeper because of her family? Is this something that, you know... Is just something that she wants to take advantage of. I think it's, it's a really well made show. About a real life story where we don't know the private moments, mm-hmm. man. I, we're going to have a slew of these, right? But yeah. I don't know. There's a certain point. There's like this and uh, that Pam show. I don't like the Pam show. Pam and Tommy. I don't Pam shows. No. Uh, that would also be another one, but no. The, the thing about Pam. The oh. The Zellweger. Yes, yes. My mom loves this show. Mm. So there's an audience for it. I, I hate the show. I think it's I, I just think it's poorly made. It's like terrible CGI. They don't even got the skylines <laughs> right in that show. Anyways, back to Girl from Plainview. I don't know how you feel about that, about being able to bring in these private moments. I don't know if the family's involved. Right. I don't think she should be involved. There shouldn't be an inventing, inventing Anna case where in trying to get into the mind of the character, you are also sympathizing the character.
0: Yeah, a live sh- in the live stream here. Ricky asks, "What's your guys' thoughts on them making series out of real life stuff like the girl from Plainview and the Dropout?" Uh, you know, I think it's it's tough, right? Especially with stuff like this in comparison to stuff like the Dropout, because the Dropout, it's it's basing it off of a lot of legal proceedings and articles and, and things that you can point to on paper. And yeah, there are the text transcripts that they, they read through, but in my impression of the first two episodes, they're really going after a lot of these like private moments and dialogues between the people involved. And there's a, there's a real intimacy with the way that they're portraying some of this, Uh, you know, all these, there's this prolonged scene, uh, that's very bizarre but effective of Elle Fanning crying in the mirror during one episode. Um, and it's just stuff like that where I hope that there is some some research being done to base this in reality because it feels a little bit too sensitive to take artistic liberties. Like my, my whole thought about a lot of the, uh, at least the increased nature of all of these ripped from the headline shows uh Hillary also said in the live stream comments that uh, it feels like we're getting flooded with at every court case becoming a series. Bro, like
1: The Academy Awards is going to be adaptive screenplay and it's going to be court case number U.S. Supreme Court versus whatever. <laughs> it's going to be. Oh. Yeah, you know, I just I kind of feel like I
0: wish some more of these showrunners would take inspiration from the case rather than try to tell you exactly what happened because you're never going to be able to, to recreate uh, what happened in reality. Right. But if you have a story you want to tell, you can just do it and inspired by, and you know, usually people are able to connect those dots like they did with the Matt Damon movie and Casey Anthony, but it it le- it leaves you some artistic license to not try to about, tell someone's dogs. private There's moments of in a public that you and way. I love as
1: well, and they do something very similar. Does the you know filmmaker get involved with the subject? Are we also just making documentaries and crime, true crime dramas or or, or miniseries on things that are still very fresh? I- it's just always going to be a case, but I don't know. I just I always wonder to see what's the approach that they're yeah. taking and where did they come up with the decision to, uh, to I don't know, sympathize the character or kind of give you their perspective if you don't know that's what they were going for. That's it. That's it.
0: Yeah, I am curious to see where the girl from Plainview continues to go, though. You caught the. Latest from Disney Plus, Olivia Rodrigo, Driving Home to You. A sour film. That's your girl. That's your Grammy Award winning girl right there.
1: I liked it. It was very good. Uh, Disney's been doing a really good (laughs) job with these uh, documentaries that kind of take you through the writing process, which I really enjoy. Uh, Apple obviously had one of my favorite docs of last year with the Billie Eilish doc that really got in depth into not just her writing, but her family and the whole approach and the industry that she has to deal with. This is more like folklore, um, the Taylor Swift one, where you're sitting and kind of going through the writing of the album. She explained how she had written a lot of it in Utah, so it's her going back on this road trip, which is, it goes hand-in-hand hand with her driver's license uh, song, and telling you why she was writing that song, the headspace of that song, You know, I love seeing the making of, you know, I love seeing the original video recording of when a hit song uh, is caught. And then she does a performance of the song. So I really love the setups to then seeing a new performance that kind of lets you hear the song with a whole new perspective because of the behind the scenes to it. I really enjoyed it, man. She... I liked her in the Oscars or the Oscars, the the Grammys last night. She, she, didn't sing. I think it was backtracked, but she won a couple of awards. I thought it was really <laughs> dope. I'm a big fan of her. Uh, I heard before I even knew it was her. Like it had come up on shuffle, and I was like, "Yo, this song's kind of decent." Then I realized it was the girl from, uh, uh, what was it High School Musical? Yeah, High School Musical. High musical School series, Musical, yes. the musical, uh, the series. It, it's it's a really good, um, I guess. <laughs> breakdown of the writing process for an artist that, you know, had one of the biggest albums of last year. I would highly recommend it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Caitlin had it on while I was, I think, doing some like, cleaning or working out or something. and I, I So I caught little bits and I feel like if you are an Olivia Rodrigo fan, there is so much good content there, whether it is those early versions of uh, those recordings or it is the, like, stripped down or re- re-analyzed Uh, performances of some of the iconic songs, you know, it's not going to be like a traditional concert film because that's not what they're going for here, but it's something a little bit different. And for the person who, who needs new Olivia stuff in their life, I I feel like they'll be very satisfied with this one. Uh, Have you caught any of the Apple TV plus show Pachinko yet? I'm really into this show so far. I've only caught the first two episodes. I think we'll be getting... Eight of them, but it is a really breathtaking series in terms of its scope, its ambition, and the heartfelt storytelling. Pachinko okay. is a international drama. It takes place in Korea. It takes place in Japan. It takes place in America. It is also multilingual, being told partly in Korean, partly in Japanese, partly in English. It does something really cool in that the Korean language is all subtitled in yellow and the Japanese language is all subtitled in blue. I love when dramas or shows find interesting ways to play around with things like subtitles. Uh, Very notably, this one is directed by a couple guys we're interested in. Four episodes from Justin Chan, who did last year's Blue Bayou, and four episodes by the boy Kogonada, who brings a really beautiful palette and direction. I think he directed the first one as well, so he's giving you kind of like the pilot uh, look, too. Uh, it, it's some really incredible storytelling here, telling the story of this Korean family who immigrated, to, who uh, Korean family with Japanese roots, uh, and over the course of several di- different generations. I think it's the story of this family through four different generations. So just in terms of the way they're able to all weave it together is pretty incredible. Has a couple people we like in it, too. Uh, Yu Yoo Jung Yoon. Who or Yu, Yu Jung, rather, who you'll remember from Minari, has a big role here. Jin Ha, who, if you don't remember, is uh, is our boy from Devs, uh, played the boyfriend in that show, also okay. has a pretty cool ro- role here. Uh, I just think there's a lot to really like about this show. I haven't been able to dive as deep into it yet, but I'm so taken by the storytelling and also just kind of there's there's such life emanating from the show it has one of the most joyful title sequences i've seen in a long time i so I, I put that on uh yesterday just to kind of get a boost of serotonin so i'm really excited about this show i can't wait to dive in further and i i hope you'll try and catch up with it too so we can maybe talk about the finale once that's out
1: mm-hmm. interesting yeah okay i'm gonna put that one on my radar there's a lot of uh <sighs> Apple shows that have been killing it just to give yeah. some shout outs because those could be recommendations we work uh, there's also the Sam Jackson show Ptolemy, Dude, last days of me Gray I actually am enjoying that one too when it comes to Emmys next year what are they gonna do like it's not <sighs> just competing with other people what is Apple the stu- finally bro hey you've you've been number one fan over here uh, they they're gonna have a crazy campaign award season for the Emmys next year, and rightfully so. Yeah, we're not even bringing up Servant, which I haven't caught up on yet, but I no. know that's been a massive one. They got a lot. <laughs> they, they've
0: a- also got so much stuff coming up too. They have the show from the creators of Glow, Roar, coming on April fifteenth.
1: They have that slow sh- horses, bro. There's this one with what's her name from uh, oh, Elizabeth bro, Moss,
0: Shining Girls, coming on April 29th.
1: Filmed in Chicago, baby. I caught one. I'm playing it. I'm skimming through it. It was a South by selection. I see that I have the entire thing on our screener's app. And it's just shot all around Mm. Chicago.
0: Yeah. Bruce Wayne in the live stream comments mentioning Severance as well. We will get to that in a little bit. So much good stuff on Apple TV+. I'm almost surprised they're not spacing it out more. It's just hitting us with a new show every week, it feels like, right now. Finally,
1: bro. HBO's shivering in their (laughs) streaming socks right now. Nah, that's a lot. Uh, let's wrap up some of the other ones, though, because there is an HBO pick I have, but you have a VOD pick, uh, a, a I, screener link that we got for a very interesting movie.
0: Yeah, a very interesting movie and somebody who uh, the audience might be familiar with whether or not they know it. I caught the documentary Royalty Free, the music of Kevin MacLeod or MacLeod. I think his name is actually pronounced uh, a, a documentary about perhaps the most famous royalty free musician go. out there. The, the man behind. Uh, in Compatec, the website that if you've ever made a video and needed some royalty-free music, you've probably stumbled upon it at some point. Cool. You know, it's a, it's really cool that this dude got his own documentary. It, it, I think one of the things that's exciting is like you know, some documentaries wow you with their presentation and how they're put together. And some just decide to focus on an an interesting person or story. And that's enough. And I think that's what you get here because uh, he's not the type of person you would expect to get a music profile. He's not exactly some like extremely successful, uh, highly paid musician, but his work pops up all over the place. I mean, some of his songs are extremely viral on TikTok and stuff like that. And it's really cool to see all the ways in which his music has penetrated the culture. I, I I think just as an example of an alternate way into the music industry, it's a pretty fascinating profile. It's not necessarily the best put together documentary, but I, I found it extremely interesting uh, about a guy who has benefited my video work plenty over the years.
1: I'm going to check this one out.
0: Yeah. All right. Let's wrap this up with the HBO Max pick. HBO, I think it's on the big network too, right? All right, man. Let's talk about probably the best stand-up special we've got thus far into 2022, and I'm not sure we'll get a better one. What did you like about Gerard Carmichael's Rathaniel?
1: What did I love about Gerard Carmichael? Yeah, we both
0: gave it that hard on Letterboxd.
1: Bro. So I I didn't realize he had a new stand-up special. I saw it. It popped up. I put it on. I uh, Google something really quick about Gerard trying to figure out the name of his last one and I get spoiled. A stand-up special. I didn't think you could get spoiled. A stand-up special. I won't say what it is. It's out there. It's 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 part of even the uh, opening Saturday Night Live uh, monologue that he did, which was fantastic. Go do yourself favorites on YouTube. Search it up. His uh, opener was great, and uh, he talks a little bit about his stand-up that he has on HBO. But here's the thing, dude. Um, uh, we really enjoyed his movie from a couple years back at Sundance called On the Count of Three. Still not even out yet. Please
0: release it. Come on, Annapurna. Damn,
1: it adds some context to that movie. Whew, yeah. Going back and rewatching this other specials that he's had. You know, he's done a, a lot of, you know, I've seen a lot of the, the bits segments mm-hmm. on YouTube. But uh, going back and rewatching the first one that he had for HBO, eight from a couple of years ago, and this being his third one, it really adds a lot of context to it. Like I said, I was spoiled something in this doc, so I'm going into it, hearing the jokes differently, right from the bat. But when you finish the the stand up and rewatch it, because I watched it again the next day with Alina, mm-hmm. she was crying. Mm. This is one of those document, or I'm calling it a documentary, bro. <laughs> this is one of those specials where it's almost a therapy session, intertwined with like a punchline at the end of uh, a heart wrenching almost moment. Sometimes the worst parts about the stand up is the audience. Sometimes the best part about the stand-up is, is the how he interacts with the audience. It's also directed by Bo Burnham. Yes, Bo Burnham has done a couple stand-up specials. He's been a dude who, in the comedy world, because he uses music and he uses you know a lot of bells and whistles. Some comedians would say you know that he doesn't keep it straight to just the microphone and himself on the stage. Uh, I want to say he's been pushed to the side, but you know they they see him as his own kind of variety thing. Mm-hmm. So for him to come in, knowing the respect that he does have the form of stand-up and seeing his direction for tambourine which he did for chris rock Mm -hmm. that was pretty good uh seeing what he does with this one just a beautiful intro beautiful middle and he edited it all yeah look it's one of the best looking stand-up specials it is one of the most heart-wrenching stand-up specials i love his stuff i went back i rewatched everything else he also has uh, bo burnham helped produce a couple of other kind of like short stuff that he did on hbo if you're clicking this you'll see all the related stuff there (laughs) It really adds a lot of context to um, him being a very private person. At mm-hmm. Sundance, when he was presenting the movie, he said, uh, yeah, I'm not even in my house. I'm in, I, I rented a hotel. I'm a very private person. This is him revealing everything. Yeah. And I think it's really, really, really freaking good, man.
0: It's it's really special. It's a very p- special piece of stand-up comedy, or I guess we could call it sit-down comedy since he's uh, seated for the majority of this special. But, you know, I think the... <clears throat> most direct parallel that I would draw is to Nanette, the Hannah Gadsby special from a couple of years ago in which like she's able to balance some really serious discussions with some pretty funny stuff. I think hers is more of like a a, a, a screed, right? Like she's trying to make a point. Whereas Gerard, it's something a little bit more personal and he talks about at various points of, of the special, like he wants you to feel like he's, this is family getting together. And, you know, he does that thing that you're mentioning where he kind of allows the audience to talk back something that could go disastrously wrong does whenever I've seen it done with live stand-up comedy, but the way he's able to navigate it is so deft and, and open hearted and vulnerable. And it yes. you know, I think it works so well that there's, it almost feels like, it would be scripted. But at the same time, like he's not coming back with a punchline. He's just coming back with this emotional honesty. Yes. And, and like,
1: again, he's got a different approach to it. Like he's, especially a lot of his previous ones. He's almost trying to piss off the audience or trying to make them uncomfortable to make a point that, that he's kind of leading to at points. I also just love the patience that he has up there. He'll take the time to think about a line, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm Hmm. He's really good, dude.
0: yeah I mean he's an excellent excellent comic Uh, I will also shout out well Connor in the live stream is shouting out uh, home videos and Sermon on the Mount Uh, yeah I I have I actually been a Carmichael fan for a little while I don't know if you've ever caught the Carmichael show his short lived sitcom Mm -hmm. it was on Netflix for a while it's on Hulu Hulu now now. like some of the best sitcom writing that I've seen in a long time like the way that he's able to make what is a very tired medium feel fresh and alive and funny I think is a testament to just how good he is and it's a shame that show didn't last longer because i think it it could have been a breakout hit at some point but you know he's he's getting his due now he's finding his yes, places now and he's he's a really brilliant guy so well uh, i'm deserved. hope yeah, and i'm hoping he's finding some peace too because like it's good to see him smiling through pits of this um yeah. i don't know if you, you uh you're, you're not as on instagram as much as i am but uh when bo burnham won his grammy last night uh, he did a little Insta story, and he and Gerard were hanging, watching them together. So that also made me happy.
1: Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. I would also throw in there because uh, Tyler won another Grammy last night. Um, obviously, he's all over Igor. He's the voice on Igor, but definitely go check out the Flower Boy talks.
0: Yes, him, which you know what I'm talking about again puts it in a completely different context after you watch this. That was the first thing I thought of. I'm glad that you brought that up.
1: Yes, uh, there's so much more I could say. Just know that go into it and then realize how, how much bigger it really is, because he's, I don't know, it, it's been a really interesting journey following him. Uh, uh, it's really good. It's absolutely, really good. absolutely. All
0: right, uh, let's take a couple quick questions here. Devesh asked if either of us have gotten around to Peacemaker. I was just talking about this with my girlfriend. Like, I really want to watch it, but there's so much TV. Did you Did you watch Peacemaker?
1: No, we only caught the one episode that I think we had mentioned at some point. Other than that, I have not been able to sit down to finish the entire thing. I had Peacemaker, I had... There was some other superhero show that I needed to finish, but uh, that's one of the ones that's on deck for me. I may may be working on it very soon.
0: Yeah. A couple people have been mentioning The Contractor. Hillary said that uh, she liked it but felt like it was missing a bit. A lot of unanswered and unexplored topics brought up. I've been hearing some pretty good buzz on Contractor, despite the fact that it felt like it kind of got dropped into theaters. Mm -hmm. But uh, the Chris Pine flick seems like it's been getting some good stuff. It's on VOD already?
1: Yeah, it's on VOD as well. I know for some places, I think it might even be on Prime because it is a Prime video. So we may have to wait for it to be there. Uh, but I'm maybe looking around because I heard the exact same thing. I thought it looked interesting. I know you were like, well, there's like no information on this movie. Mm-hmm. And it, it seems like I don't want to say his take on dog, but uh, his take on being a soldier who, in order to stay in the line of duty, takes substances. That then gets him dishonorably discharged. That's the premise. And it's where he takes it from there. And I'm not, I'm not even sure w- where it goes. Um, but I- I'm curious. Curious to catch it. So, uh, I don't uh, know if people said something good about it in our chat, but I have it on yeah. my radar.
0: Uh, Divesh asked, "Have you spoken about Upload season two yet?" Didn't even realize it was live. Uh, I know that was a show that what? you really enjoyed the first season of.
1: I thought it was a fun first season. I have not been able to catch up with season two of Upload because right now I have to deal with: d- Do I watch Upload? Do I watch this season two of Russian Doll, which is coming up, which they were so gracious to send us, and Undone. Mm, I chose Undone. We have that too, man. I chose Undone. I've been watching Undone, so Ugh. I have not been able. That's the Prime show that I ended up picking. But uh I hope it's good. I, I feel like there's that's a show that has such good marketability and they do nothing with it, man. I don't like how Prime markets their shows. Everybody talks mega about Netflix. Mm. No, it's Prime. Yeah. Dude. Prime 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 could push a lot of their shows Prime? in a much better way.
0: Yeah, Prime really drops the ball with a lot of those shows. JJ asks, do you think awards will be more accepting of Apple compared to Netflix? Yes. Uh, I mean, they already, yes. Coda already beat Netflix to that Best Picture award. And I think Apple is going after this like big prestige thing. It's also that, and we talk about this when we talk about Netflix and movie theaters, right? I think because Netflix was sort of the first and it was this disruptor, a lot of people just decided to write it off right away. And they're almost like, well, they're my but enemy. But, but Tim Cook's kind of nice.
1: It's weird, yeah, that's the politicking behind the scenes. It's who's friends with who it's you got to remember a lot of these things. Netflix doesn't create technology. Apple does so they've been working with Apple. they've been working with these companies for so long like you really got to think of the behind the scenes to it um. So, yeah, it's very clear that they've been nicer to it. But uh, we said a couple of weeks back, I'm scared for Netflix. You heard me. I'm scared for Netflix. (laughs) Netflix had the ball up. But then everybody realized, well, let's just copy paste it. And we got more means, more networking, more everything. So, yes, I'm I'm worried for them. man.
0: Yassine asked, what app would you guys recommend for the TV show equivalent of Letterboxd? I don't know if there's one that's like great. I'm, I'm enjoying Serialized, but it's still not quite as good as Letterboxd is. Do you use anything for TV?
1: IMDb. That's where yeah. I, I don't log stuff on IMDb, but I keep everything uh, on, on our Notion tab. That's usually, I, I literally recreate everything on my yeah. Notion. That's my Letterboxd, too, to a degree. I have everything rated there before I make it public. Uh, and I look around through stuff, and I always, for the movies, put uh, a Letterboxd link. And then for the TV shows, I put the IMDb link. I just feel nothing's more thorough than IMDb. You're able to have all of the cast and crew, and it's, yeah, you... you You have pictures, you have images, you have everything, and IMDb is at these festivals, so they have insights as well. Um, I also am a person who misses the message, misses the message boards, but as toxic as they may have been, there's a lot of good info there. No, they were dope Uh, to a degree. A lot of people don't like IMDb. I know that's the reason why, you know, everyone knows that that's the place to go. But they want to see, like, what's the TV version of it? Yeah. Because Letterboxd has been able to curate something that feels less advertise friendly and more like a community. Bro, that's gone. <laughs> I'm sorry. But I was searching at movies the other day and I'm seeing articles pop up. And I'm like, why are these articles? Who gets to decide what gets to be that extra bit? You know, because you could put a review and then at the bottom read further in my review in this link here. People get actual squares. You're gonna see sponsorships yeah. on top t- top reviews, and check out my whatever else brought to you by whatever. It's <laughs> it, that happens to every social media. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't it, not act like letterboxes as pure as it used to. be.
0: Exactly, as it grows, they they keep finding ways to sneak stuff in like that.
1: You saw the X thing? A twenty four was paying, <laughs> giving out gift cards if you gave a review for X on opening week.
0: I didn't see that cheese.
1: <laughs> Don't do that, man.
0: Ugh. Uh, Pink sweets asked, "Have they already talked about uh, the show e- from on Epics?" <laughs> Uh, Juan Carlos Gil Garcia asked thoughts on "Our Flag Means Death." I think these are both shows that we haven't had time to get around to, but have heard pretty good things about. So uh, maybe we'll try and catch up with
1: them. I saw one episode of Flag. Okay, decent. I just got to have catch more. But I, I'd asked you. I was like, "Yo, I'm hearing good things about From." Yeah. And I don't want to get Epics again. <laughs> they left us on red, so I might have to get another free yeah. trial of Epics or something because I paid for epics for three months and I didn't feel they had n- anything. But uh, hey. A Lost alum, I'm, I, I want to catch it. Yeah, exactly. Once it wraps, I, I might get epics. All
0: right, well, let's move on to the new to see and talk about some of the upcoming releases in theaters and at home, starting with, on April 5th, tomorrow, a little dive into a guy named Tony Hawk. You caught Tony Hawk until the wheels come off at South by Southwest. Uh, and I think you gave it like a, a light recommended, right?
1: It's pretty decent. It's two hours of his life that looks kind of at his career, but most on the philosophy of how he sees skating and what it means to him. Very cool.
0: On April 7th, See For Me, a cool little thriller that I first caught at Tribeca about a, a blind former skier who is house-sitting when that house gets robbed. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this one is going to be available on Shudder on April nice. 7th, so another one to look out for. Uh, coming out in limited release is Aline. Have you heard anything about this? Yes, dude. (laughs) I don't know if I'm excited or dreading this one, but I do kind of want to see it. This is the Celine Dion biopic that did not get the rights to anything related to Celine Dion. So they're not even called a
1: foreign language.
0: (laughs) Yes. I think it's it's French, right?
1: Yeah, it's. I think it's fascinating. Yeah. I, I, I've had it on my radar for a minute and I'm mm-hmm. glad it's finally out. Cause I know. Yeah. It was, it had a con premiere like a couple years ago. So mm-hmm. it's here. Let's see.
0: I think this is another argument to be made in favor of 30 rock being one of the greatest TV shows of all time, because yes, 30 rock has a joke for this in that, uh, they did the Jackie Jump document or er, film about Janice Joplin because they didn't get the life rights to Janice Joplin.
1: That's this. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh the latest from Michael Bay, Ambulance, Ambu <laughs> With Jake Gyllenhaal, Yaya Abdul Mateen, and Aiza Gonzalez. I'm pretty excited for this one actually. I'm I'm I've it's been a while since I've been get, given the full bay, you know, explosions and all.
1: Yeah, I, I was excited. I'm kind of meddling down from it. Um Yeah, reviews haven't been great. You know what would have been dope, bro? Michael Mann's ambulance. Ooh, that would have been dope. Yeah,
0: that'd be sick. I mean, speaking
1: b- of really quick, uh, uh one perfect shot, <laughs> which is now <laughs> on HBO. Oh right. I wanted to mention that really quick because the Michael Mann episode is fantastic. A lot of the other ones, it's like they're okay. Um, I think you should have a cinematographer. Yeah. Talking about one perfect shot, I think your audio should be fixed. <laughs> um, he had a whole moment there, and I just want to say two things. One, I always thought that this man captured a LA late to perfection. I didn't realize it was because he's from Chicago, baby. <laughs> and did you catch the episode?
0: Not yet, man. I got to.
1: Catch the Michael Mann episode. Okay, cool. I, I binged through it all just to get to his. And yeah, he talked about it. So it's the streets of Chicago that made him, and it's the streets of Chicago that he took and made him see the architecture over in L.A. Sick. differently. But as you know, Michael Mann's that dude. Second, why'd she block you?
0: <laughs> man, she just does not deal with criticism. She just. Did she block
1: you recently or a bit
0: ago? I, I mean I found out a couple days ago, but yeah, she I think she blocked me for not liking one perfect shot. I, I've said worse things about Ava DuVernay, who great filmmaker by the way, although she can, says some weird things. But like I, that's a very sensitive thing to block me on Twitter over Ava. Well,
1: you black, bro. I'm pretty sure you got blocked too at that point. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Ava. Um... Yeah, I don't, I don't like when directors do that. I also like, I, I don't like the inverse. I don't like when a director follows you just because you gave a positive review.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'll take it for the couple directors
1: who followed me. <laughs> All right. Keep it going, bro. Uh,
0: cow hits limited theaters this weekend. It's Andrea Arnold's documentary following the daily lives of a couple cows on the farm. Not for the faint at heart. Uh, even more so than gunda i think gunda does a very artful job of kind of yes. telling you what's going to happen and this one throws it right in your face so i don't know i don't know if i enjoyed that aspect of it but there are some pretty interesting elements of filmmaking going on here i really love the one moment where they play kali Yuchis's spin me round as they show the cow mating it's this very like <laughs> bizarre almost like Date
1: scene, (laughs) but like, I'm telling you, uh, I don't know. It's a doc with an entire soundtrack, yeah, that just so happens to be about cows in a farm.
0: It's very good stuff. So, I mean, as long as you can stomach watching, you know, a uh, (laughs) this kind of cattle farm, Mm -hmm. I don't know, yeah, it's a very good documentary. Uh, The Dropout on April 8th wraps up its series, uh, the eight episode. Uh, run uh, dictating the or telling the story of Elizabeth Holmes and her company Theranos. I have caught all eight episodes now. I know you're still uh, running a little behind on this At show. The beginning, yeah. I-, I think this is one of the most interesting TV shows I've seen this year, especially given this whole wave of ripped from the headline stuff. This is probably my favorite of them. I think it does a really interesting job of speaking to the idea of like what it would actually look like to embody the type of work ethic that millennials are often told they should embody, right? Like it's a commentary on workplace culture and the idea of being full, fully driven and what comes at a consequence of that. So I think it does a pretty good job of handling all that. I think the Amanda Seyfried performance is really good here. Even if maybe the voice sometimes feels weird like i, I can i kind of think she's doing the voice but even ignoring the that. voice it's a full body performance just pay attention to the way she carries her body when she runs it's it's very bizarre but works really well for the character i i like the show a lot i'm curious to see what you think uh when you uh, get a chance to catch up
1: i'm a we man that's been my <laughs> show right now in terms of these office space ones dropouts pretty good people keep saying like the dropout is like super pumped you know super pumped yeah on showtime
0: uh Justin Levitt. Yeah.
1: Get that out of here. That's the bad one. That's the bad. that's the one that thinks it's dropout. Uh, that's the one that thinks it's WeWork work, and it'd be lucky if it even was a drop out. No, <laughs> super pumped is no, not yeah. good. But I can't wait to catch on the, catch up on this one.
0: Expanding to more theaters on Friday is everything, everywhere, all at once. The latest from Daniel shiner and Daniel Kwan, better known as Daniels Art. This is the best movie of all time.
1: <laughs> Wait, let me see uh, I- I'm still not getting your uh, rating on this once it loads up for me what did you end up giving it
0: I- I'm-, I'm sticking with a four and a half until I see it again but I okay. loved I did love this one I'm more referring to the fact that it's now the number one film of all time on Letterboxd surpassing Parasite
1: There's discussion to be had, Zach. I I find it interesting that this is that movie that a couple years back, only the film fans would have loved. Yeah. And now it's kind of become a mainstream stay. So we've now created, if there was hipsters, Mm -hmm. if the hipsters are liking it, there's the extra level of hipsters who, before even watching it, dude, I also heard someone call this a gentrified version of a martial arts movie. And I was like, damn, bro, (laughs) the insult's coming. But it kind of stuck out to me to a degree. There's some fair criticisms to the movie. Mm Mm-hmm. But I'm going to love it when it's here, bro. I'm not going to wait 10 years to retroactively come back and, and yep. enjoy something that I think really uh, jumps out of the box. I'm glad you loved it, bro.
0: Yeah, I, I you do. You got re- a
1: surprise uh, Q&A.
0: Yeah, I got to see the Daniels, which was nice, and hear a little bit of insight into like, the anxiety and ADHD that inspired the film. Really cool stuff. Cool. Really great movie. Um, I, you know, it's weird. We, we've been on Swiss Army Man's Corner for a while. So we've both been really anticipating this one. But I think both of us are extremely surprised at just how embraced this film has become already. And look, I'm happy, man. I love, I love the Daniels' work. And I'm happy that they're going to, you know, get that next level. It feels like they're going to take a step up even after this because people are really flocking to it. Um, mm-hmm. But it's very weird to see this very weird movie being embraced in this way. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, Severance, which many people are bringing up in the live stream as one of the best things that Apple TV Plus has to offer. It is airing its season finale on Friday. And uh, Mm -hmm. technically, I think I'm embargoed, but I don't think Apple's going to mind if I tell you that this is an awesome show. This is a really, really really good show.
1: Everything just breaks. (laughs) We're both on Apple products. It's done. I can't even hear you, Zach. My AirPods have just died man i
0: i know you're a little bit behind but severance is doing some of the coolest stuff on tv not just from the production design standpoint but in terms of the writing and what it's trying to talk about you know i I saw a really interesting thread on twitter sort of comparing uh the dropout and severance and things that they both do uh some better than others but whereas dropout is really kind of like the the ethos of like this is millennial workplace culture or whatever uh Severance has a much more esoteric and kind of heady approach to that idea of what does it mean to like make your life about work or, or live for working? And I don't know, there's some really interesting stuff here, but I think the thing that sort of slowed me down in the middle of the season of Severance is that they get a little bit, they spend a little, after they establish the world, which is really interesting, they have to kind of get you into the characters. And I wasn't, quite there with all the characters right away it got me there by the end of the season now I'm really invested in these storylines not just the inside world but the outside world too there's some really good stuff at the end of that season man I'm excited to talk to you about it because I don't want to spoil it don't want to spoil it
1: might have to do a spoiler talk on that one yep and the spoiler went on
0: <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog 2, the latest for, uh, from the speedsters from Sega, uh, Ben Schwartz. I'm excited to hear more vocal performances from him. I'm excited to see what might be the last Drew Carey, uh, sorry, Jim Carrey performance ever. Is that man really retiring?
1: It. No, you don't retire. I, we said this, bro. You don't retire. Him and Tom Brady, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> I'm catching this in 40x, so we'll see, man. I can't Sick. wait to be to feel like Sonic the Hedgehog.
0: Yeah, I got I got to figure out a place in Florida to go watch this movie, uh, and then Woke is back on Hulu for its second season, dropping all ten episodes at once. Has Lamorne Morris and Blake Anderson and Sashir Sh- 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 Zamata and J.B. Smooth, a bunch of people that I like. I never got around to the first season of this one, but I'm kind of curious. I've heard some good things.
1: I saw half. I. Eh, I thought it was okay. I didn't finish it. So. Okay, can't speak for the whole thing. But. Yeah, hey, they got a season two. Good for them.
0: So Art, what are your picks for the week then?
1: Uh, you have some of my new picks. Uh, all right, and you're going to be breaking all that down. So I'm going to leave the new picks to you. Uh, because it's the beginning of a new month, I want to do kind of like a an intro segment to uh when the streaming services drop a slew of old movies that we may have mentioned a long time ago, right? And people don't get the chance to see them until they have that accessibility. Mm. So if I may. I'm going to give you some recommendations for for some intercut uh, thumbs-up movies, some must-watch movies that are finally hitting streaming services. We the Animals from Sundance a couple of years back was one of my favorite movies of Mm. that year. It was my thumbnail for my favorite movies of that year, and it is playing on Netflix. We the Animals. Give it a watch. Raul Castillo, fantastic performance, good performance from the kids. Uh, And our boys finally working on something new. You were telling me that he's actually going to be – Making another, like, pretty big feature. Yeah, he's uh, the one
0: directing mistaken. that Adam Sandler basketball movie.
1: Mm-hmm. So that's going yeah, uh, to be pretty good. Hustle. Uh, hustle. That's going to be pretty good. We also have The Raid over on HBO. If you have not caught any of The Raid movies, The Raid is now streaming. It is my favorite action series. Uh, along with The Secret in Their Eyes, which is going to be on HBO, if you've never caught this movie, make sure you're not catching the remake. Don't hear anything about the remake. Don't even watch the remake after you watch the original. Just go watch the original Argentinian film, Secret in Their Eyes. It's playing on HBO. I'm not going to say anything else. Just go do it. Uh, Moving over to Prime, we got a duo on Prime. Never, rarely, sometimes, always. I think you could double up on this one. We have a whole LUE on this. For those who want to know uh, our thoughts and spoiler discussions, Mm -hmm. it was one that really impacted us out of Sundance, uh, as well as compliance. I don't Mm -hmm. know if you've ever caught compliance.
0: Yeah, yeah. What a messed up movie. Is that Craig Zoller? It's a messed up movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, um, is that uh, also another Doud, Anne And Dowd and Dream of Walker really good in that one? Yes. Yeah, just like one of the most messed true up story, movies that I've I true seen. True yeah. story. Yeah.
1: So if you want, put that one on your radar. And then uh, after all that. Briggs Bear on Hulu. How can I not? Brigsby Bear is on Hulu streaming. I think this is probably the first time it's streaming on a streaming service. Oh, man. I'm going to not tell you to stream it. Yeah. Uh, Brigsby Bear, one of my favorite movies.
0: You got it in your background. It, it, there you go. One
1: of my favorite movies, right there. Yeah. So go catch those picks. We the Animals, The Raid, Secret in Their Eyes, Compliance, Never Really, and Briggsby Bear.
0: Excellent. Uh, my picks for the week over on Hulu. I will recommend The Dropout. Like I said, it's one of my favorite shows of the year so far, and it is wrapping up its run on Friday. So it's a good time to start binging those episodes. I, I feel like you'll uh, you'll pair that with We Work. That's your favorite of the. Uh, true-life crime, court case shows, whatever you want to call them. Severance, the, the best thing on Apple TV Plus right now, including the Best Picture winner. Severance is probably better. I really, really dig this show. Uh, catch up so that I don't spoil it for you, because I really want to spoil it. On HBO Max, Rathaniel, we talked about it. What what a moving, funny piece of media uh, beautifully put together by Bo Burnham. I think we got to say that again. I love that little cut at the end too, that, that hard cut at the end. Uh, um, And, but don't quit, don't exit out of HBO max that quick because I'm also recommending minx. One of my favorite new shows. I want to talk about it a little bit more in depth later, but like, it's a very delightful show about Mm -hmm. the, the starting of this women's magazine. Uh, Apollo 10 and a Half we brought up earlier, the Richard Linklater film, probably my favorite new release over on Netflix. But if you're going to theaters, there's only really one option that I can full heartedly recommend, and that of course is everything, everywhere, all at once. We're gonna have to do a, a dive with spoilers on yes, uh, on intercut at some point. So make sure you've seen the film so you're ready for our video on it. But I think that's about all for this week's weekend must watch. We've been through a lot of movies. It's
1: been two weeks. So we have to pack in some more stuff, but uh, yeah, yeah, good stuff good picks dude that's a lot to watch and then really good stuff that's coming out uh april has a slew of big theatrical movies that are coming out i like seeing that there's something new in the imax every single week a lot of tv
0: Um, too dude like barry's coming back better call saul's coming back you mentioned undone and russian doll and we mentioned those apple tv plus shows like what are we gonna do Uh, binge (laughs) (laughs) watch
1: pop the popcorn
0: yeah all right, I got to go return to Tuxedo. So that's all for this week's show. You can catch more from me, Zach Shevich, by following me on Twitter, Instagram, or Letterbox at Zshevich, that's Z-S-H-E-V-I-C-H. And check out my YouTube channel, the youtube.com slash art. where can people find more from you?
1: You can find me at Let Me Explain over on Twitter. Over on I almost forgot all the other social medias. Letterbox I think is where I'm at, and also YouTube. And I'm gonna try to start some shorts. I've had some names that we've been working on in order to be able to create some little short ideas. So look out for that soon. Um, other than that, you could. See me every week here on the Intercut Podcast.
0: You can catch every episode of the Intercut Podcast on iTunes, on Spotify. I happen to like Overcast for listening to podcasts. And then make sure you also catch every episode of the uh, Intercut Podcast on YouTube.com slash Intercut Pod, where you can catch our bright smiling faces as we break down the latest in entertainment, find new episodes of the intercut weekly must watch streaming on our YouTube channel. Every Monday, we usually do it at 3 PM, a little bit earlier this week, and please leave us a comment, like the video, consider heading over to iTunes to give us that much requested. Excuse me, Hiccup. Ooh, the much requested five-star review. Shout out to our listeners in Kazakhstan for getting us on the TV and film podcast charts out there, like our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages. Support our Patreon. All of them are at Intercut Pod to get updates throughout the week from me, from Art, from all the guests that we feature here on Intercut. Thanks again for tuning in. And until next time, just be a rock.